Well, praise the Lord. What a great song to write before we preach. Uh, at this time, the kids are dismissed to head out to Children's Chapel. Uh, Joe and Lindsay will be back there teaching today. And uh, so you kids can head on out. If you have your Bible, let's say our Bible decree this morning as we get started uh, with today's message. Uh, let's say this together. If you have it, let's raise it nice and high. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen. Today, we're going to be talking about where your face is turned is where your focus goes. Let me repeat that to you again. Where your face is turned is where your focus goes. I'm going to start off today, and I know I could probably take the whole morning and preach probably on just a few different passages. But I want to make it relevant for you this morning as we embrace where are you looking Wherever your face is turned is where your focus goes. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. And God laid this on my heart as I made this quote about three weeks ago in the message. And it's found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 6. We know the story of Adam and Eve, but I just want to bring it to light to you this morning and maybe allow you to see some things and to identify what the Word of God is trying to say. And in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 3, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 2 says, Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only that the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat, eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will surely die. Verse 4, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. Now, I want you to, in verse 6, where it says she saw that the tree. Now, I want you to circle that. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And verse 7 says, And at the moment their eyes were what? Opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. What is it that we can learn right here just in this scripture? Her eyes were opened. You know, what God was trying to do many, many times, like most of us parents... We try to protect our children. They don't understand to the depth of love that we have for our sons or for our daughters. And we try to protect them from what they see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. 
Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And it says at that moment, she turned her face and that's right where her focus went. See, many of us have just gone through probably the hardest times that any of us have ever faced in a pandemic. It's been a struggle. It's been difficult. But let's be real. People have lost a sense of who they are. Why have we lost a sense of who we are? Even churches have lost a sense of who they are. And when I say this, I'm not saying it as a way to make it appear and look as if our church is better than anybody else because we opened up. No, COVID is real. The pandemic is real. People have gotten sick and people have died. I do not discredit that. And if you are immune compromised, do everything you can to guard your health. Your life is valuable to Christ, to family, to everybody. But here's what I have watched. That people no longer are focused on their health or other people's health. They're focused on selfish motives. The other day I'm at Petiti Garden Center. It was really uh, unfortunate. But as I'm at Petiti's, I picked up a tree. My wife and I are in line. And she asked me, you know, and they have these plexiglass shields that are in front, right? So with the glass, I mean, how many of you have ever stood outside your house and tried to talk to somebody behind a glass? And if you've been to a nursing home, you know how difficult that is to see your loved ones through a, a, a double-pane glass of window or double-pane window glass. Hey, it's rough being me. And anyhow, so, you know, I'm standing there and they've got this big, huge plexiglass thing that's up and I have my mask on. But you must have asked me, what, three times back, three or four times, sir, what's your phone number? And so I told her, she said, pardon me. And I told her again. And she said, pardon me, what did you say? And so I told her again and I didn't get frustrated. But what I did was I dropped my mask down and I said it to her. Meanwhile, you know, as I said, it's. 8076109. So meanwhile, as I'm saying it to her, the woman that is 12 feet away from us, she gives me that look. Now watch. If she was focused on getting her things, her focus wouldn't have been on me. But she gave me a look, and it was this. I'm like, what? Is that towards me? And you know how your peripheral vision picks that up? So now my focus was turned from the cashier to the lady that was trying to play charades with me. And so I looked at her and I looked deeper into her soul. And right then I realized. It was the mask. Because she looked at me and went. And struck it across her face. And so I kindly, in my good spirit, just stood and stared. And we played the game of who will move their eyeballs first. And I wasn't going to. You know, here's what happened. As unfortunate as that is, 
I felt some sort of way. And in that feeling right then, God started to convict me. Yes, I then put my mask back up. My wife's to the left of me and, you know, we had to go back out and we were supposed to get a discount. They didn't give us a discount. So as we're walking back in, I did what I always do. She started to walk out. And as I was walking in, she stopped her cart. We were still, I mean, the, the doors were wide enough that we were eight feet, maybe ten feet from each other. And as I walked by, she said, really? My mask was up. I didn't know what she was doing. My wife's behind me. And now, now isn't this sad? Now, just think this through. So she says, really? I couldn't help myself. I just had to stop for just a minute. My, I'm like, legs, get moving forward. So I looked at her and said, God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, was I a little bit dramatic? I was. Meanwhile, she screamed at my wife and told her, get out of my way. She was 20 feet away from her. She was outside the building. And as she walked by my wife, she yelled an obscenity. And we went back in, and I went back out, and my heart was racing about a lot of beats per minute and per second, and I was about to, to lose myself. Then I was reminded of who I am in Jesus Christ. And I thought, Todd, you're doing it again. Where your face is turned is where your focus is at. And we have to be careful, but, but church, listen to me. We can respect one another. We can honor one another. But I believe that we... As Americans are losing a sense of who we are because our focus is not in the right direction. And God brought to mind this story of Adam and Eve. And I thought, you know, right then, God gave him everything. He says, you have favor. You have a great, great place to live. You have all the food. You have all the riches. You have all the blessings. You're my children. I've created you. And I want you to just stay focused on me and how difficult it was for them to stay focused on God. And when the, when the serpent came in and Satan came in, what did he do? He distracted them. Right. You know, man, I'm going to make this pretty real to you. It was, it was enticing to Eve. And then it was enticing to Adam. But men, pornography can be enticing to you. And it'll take you down a track of hell that it's very, very difficult to get out of until you get on your knees and allow God to bring healing and recovery to you. But our, our you know, I wear a, a blue bracelet and it says, you're one choice away from making a difference. You're one choice away from making a difference. Think about this, in the positive and in the negative, right? So we have to make the right choices, church, in order to live out our Christ-like life. And so I'm challenged on a daily basis. Ryan and I were out, and there was this elderly gentleman. We were up doing a job in Cuyahoga Falls, and this elderly gentleman was smoking a cigar, and he's walking by, and this young lady walks by. And when I say elderly, he was probably, I'm telling you, in his 80s. As he turned around, and he stared at this young lady that walked by. See, we have to be careful, because one little thing that we look at can distract us from the goal and the anointing that God has for our lives. 
you have to be careful because where your face is folk or turned to is where your focus goes. Ryan and I started talking about it, and he's like, isn't it amazing that just something so small can turn into something so large? And I hope that the Holy Spirit can convict you of that because I think it's important that all of us, we need to come to a place where there's humility in our lives. And what Satan has done to the church, what Satan has done to our families, as he has plotted against one another so that we're fighting against one another and we forget what love and forgiveness and humility is all about. Yeah, did I want to do, like, when she was acting like that at the store, did I want to, like, take the grocery card or be somewhat, some way? Sure. But I had to stop. Listen, think, and react. And I want Christ to honor me. I want Him to be pleased with me because you see, where my face is turned towards, that's where my focus is at. We saw Adam and Eve lose a sense of who they were in the Scriptures because it says she saw, which meant she looked. She turned away from what she had to look at all the sinful pleasures of this world because it was self-gratifying to her. It was self-gratification. And she lost a sense of her relationship, watch, her relationship with God. And when he entered back in, he held them and made them accountable. We have to be careful. Now, if you will, please, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm going to show you something here as we get into the scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verses 41 through 49. One of my favorite stories. How many of you like David and Goliath? I think we've all learned it when we were kids, facing your giants, learning how to overcome some of the obstacles and giants in our life. And I know that there's always uh, something behind the scenes that God's wanting to show us. And I want to show you this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41, it reads, Goliath walked toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him. Sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy, Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here. I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give you the... The dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give it to us. Now watch. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into the shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurtled, with, he hurtled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. 
Now watch what he did. As Goliath moved closer, back to 48, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in where? The forehead. The stone sank in. Listen. Where your face is turned is where your focus is going. David knew he had a mission. And so when he reached into that shepherd's bag and he pulled out a stone, he did not get distracted. He didn't look to his right. He didn't look to his left. He didn't look up. He didn't look down. He stayed on the mark because you know what he said? Oh, do you know what I am? I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. Do you know what? I'm a winner. I'm not a whiner. Do you know what? I am a child of the Most High God. And guess what? I'm already winning and I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on His team and we're going to win the battle today. So he took that and nailed him square right in the forehead. Now that's somebody that has great target practice. Because he kept his focus. Then there was David and Saul. It says that Saul slew his thousands, but David took down tens and thousands. And yet Saul, King Saul, it says, he turned his face on David instead of understanding that God anointed him and gave him a great position of honor. He was a king. And God blessed him. But because King Saul started looking inward at himself instead of upward at his God, he lost focus. I have lost focus in my life. How many of you would say, I've lost focus? We've all lost focus. We get distracted. There are distractions in our life where we we fail to realize who we are in Christ because of situations. We just celebrated the resurrection, right? Last week was a great service. It was Easter service. People were baptized. You know, it was just great to see what God has done here at our church. But there were distractions for me that day. There were distractions the night before. There are always distractions. And Satan does that because he's jealous of your relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. So we have to be careful. I don't care if you're a teenager in this room. There are distractions in your life that will detour you from continually falling in love with your Savior. You can't have a relationship with Him if you're not in a relationship with Him. Do you hear me? You can't have a relationship with Him if you're not in a relationship with Him. So, we noticed over in John chapter 20, it said that Jesus saw Martha. Jesus appears in the upper room. Guess what happened to those disciples? He told them all along who He was. And yet, they didn't look deep enough into His, into his life and into his eyes to see what kind of Savior he truly was. He wasn't just another God. He was the Son of God. He was Jesus Christ, as he says, in the flesh. Even when he appeared 
Martha runs to the grave. She looks inside and says, where's Jesus? And he says, I'm over here. And she said, who are you, Rabbi? Didn't even realize she called him teacher, but didn't realize that he was Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. So he appears in the upper room, right? And as he appears, they're all so distracted. Much like today, people get distracted. You're tired. Things, things happen. How many of you have been to uh, maybe a theater and right when you go in, they're like, please, ladies and gentlemen, please silence all cell phones. Please make sure you turn them off. They don't want any distractions. Hi, welcome to Spirit Airlines. We want to make sure that we don't crash. Can you please put your phone on airplane mode? Many of you are fighting it with everything in you. Wait a minute here. This is my focus. I need my phone. My phone is my oxygen tank. This is my lifeline. So they're taxing down, getting ready to take off. And you're like, oh no, I didn't put it on airplane mode. Well, he told you that 35 minutes ago. They don't want any distractions, right? And so the disciples, right after that, because they were afraid of the Jews, they went into the upper room in John chapter 20. And they lost a sense of who they were. Is it truly the Son of God? Is it truly Jesus? Who is it until He shows up? And how many people have ever walked through a wall? How many people have ever done that? You've seen. I haven't seen too many people in my earthly life. But He appears to them and He says, Wait, let me show you my hands. See the scars? See, see where they pierced the nails? See my side? And that's when they realized right then that it was Jesus. You know what happened? They got so wrapped up in their emotion, they forgot who Jesus was. You know, it's much like church. It's much like us. We get so wrapped up in life and circumstances and situations that we lose sight of who Jesus is. And it's very easy. I can get really wrapped up with with certain situations and circumstances and really negativity that I lose sense of who Jesus is. Don't you hate it? Why is it somebody can say something positive and you remember it for about 45 minutes? But if they say something negative, it'll take you into the next six months and it'll take you places you've never ever dreamt you'd ever go. All over a negative comment or something somebody did to you. You know why? Because it's where we turned our face is where our focus ended up going. And so we just, we settled right there into that place of negativity. But Jesus gives us life and he gives it to us abundantly. And Jesus was teaching them Listen, disciples, I chose you for a reason. Now, when I'm done here, you will continue to proclaim the gospel. Then what does Jesus do in Acts? So Jesus starts to ascend, right? So he sends up and it says there that the disciples were there and they what? They looked up. They kept their focus, right? And it says there that they saw two men there. So they continued to watch Jesus and journey with Jesus and they saw the miracles and things that were performed, yet they had a sense of disbelief. We have a sense of disbelief. We lose who we are because we lack in our faith. And this morning, I want to encourage you to know that there is still hope in a Savior that can, can come in and, and bring you to a place wherever your tension's at, he's going to be there to help you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
I'm going to take the next few minutes and go over the scripture with you here. But let's just have a word of prayer quickly. Father, we just thank you again for your word. We thank you, Lord, that today we can grow from the word. And Lord, I just pray that you'll hide me behind the cross. Teach us something today, Lord. Help us to not be distracted. But Lord, help us to be centered and focused and put our attention on you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up instead of what they have to gain. I will. Thanks for asking, you know, the guy in the back row. One reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up instead of what they have to gain. People don't like change. They don't want to grow through change. But that's where... The Holy Spirit is continually prompting you to make that change. Turn with me, if you will, please, to Psalms 143, verse 7. Psalms 143, verse 7. I'm going to highlight that today in the Scripture. Psalms 143, verse 7. And as you turn there, please remember that a pastor is not exempt from losing his focus. Even in the Psalms it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. In Psalms 139. But we're going to be focusing on Psalms 137 this morning. I'm sorry. Psalm 143, verse 7. Psalm 143, verse 7. It says, Hear me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not thy face from me. Watch this. Hide not thy face from me. Lest I, and it says there, declared like unto them that go down into the pit. Lest I'm like them that go down. At the making of this psalm, David was cast into some desperate, desperate danger. And I don't know if it was whether by Saul when he was forced to flee into the cave, as in the former psalm, or by Absalom, his son, or by some other, but it is uncertain. But we can imagine that he was critically in need of God. And here's what he said. Hear me speedily, O Lord. Hear me, Lord. Hear me speedily, O Lord. This is the tone of a man experiencing some kind of distress, right? He said, my spirit fails you. My spirit faileth. All his strength was failing and failing fast. If God does not come on the scene quickly, he fears he's not going to endure. So David here in this psalm is crying out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to a place where you're crying out to God and and you're saying, God, I need you. Come quickly. Hear me. I need you. I need you to answer this. God, if you don't come and help me now, I'm going under for the last time. I can't do it anymore. I heard a story about a man who fell off a cliff. As he is holding on to a branch for dear life, he cried out, Lord, help me! He heard a voice from heaven, just turn loose. He thought for a moment and yelled, is there anyone else up there? David was in distress. He needed God and he needed Him right now. He was hanging helplessly and there was no one that could help him. So he cries out, hide not your face from me. Don't turn your face from me. Here's a story 
It's a story that was told of a husband who had lost his wife and a daughter who had lost her mother. After the funeral, some of the close relatives noticed the pain of the husband and asked him, do you want us to take your daughter away for a few days so that you can have some time to grieve and time to mourn? The man replied, no, we are going to face this together. So that night as the father was putting his daughter to bed, she cried, Daddy, it is dark in here. May I sleep in your room? His reply was, yes, you may sleep in my room. As they went into the father's room, he turned off the light. His little girl cried out again, Daddy, it is too dark in here too. The father said, yes, baby, I know it is dark. Then the little girl said, Daddy, it is darker than it has ever been. The father replied, yes, baby, it is darker than it has ever been to me. Two. In the darkness, the little girl asked, Daddy, is your face turned toward me? The dad said, yes, my face is turned toward you. She says, okay, Daddy, I can go to sleep now. And after that little girl went to sleep, the father who was in such despair and grief at the loss of his wife, that he fell down upon his knees and he asked God, God, is your face turned toward me? He heard a voice that gently said, Oh, yes, my child, my face is turned towards you. And that earthly father said, Okay, I'm going to sleep now. You see, church, you can make it through any situation you may face because the father's face is turned towards you. It may be darker than it has ever been in your life, but guess what? The father's face is turned towards you. You've asked, God, it seems you are a million miles away. I can't feel you. I can't see you. And it is so dark. Is your face even turned toward me? Let me assure you that he has his face turned toward you today. And the darker it gets, the closer he becomes. The darker it gets, the closer he becomes. It says in Psalm 69, verse 17, David said, Hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Verse 1 of this same chapter, David said, Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. Verse 2 said, I sink in deep mire. The word mire actually means distress. Now listen. I sink in deep distress, deep depression, where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. It wasn't just water that David was sinking in. He could have swam out. But he was in deep depression. It says he was in deep mire. He was in deep mud. He was in deep distress. And all his struggling was hopelessness for the mire just sucked him down deeper and deeper and deeper. And then he proceeded to say, I sink where there is no standing. Everything is given away and all the support is gone. Then he said, I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. Watch this. His trouble was first under him. Then it was all around him. And now it's beginning to be above him. And here's the problem. Now he's sinking faster and faster. He continues and here's what he says. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. My tears are all dried up. Mine eyes fail me while I wait for my God. Or I have cried until there are no tears left. Have you ever been there? 
Your troubles have just about overwhelmed you. You've cried out to God and it seems He's just not listening. You feel like He's looking the other way. And His attention is upon something else. You've cried out until you cannot cry anymore. It seems that God is ignoring your every cry. David said, deliver me from my distress. Deliver me from my discouragement. Don't let me sink in this. Don't let me go under. Don't hide your face from me. In the Scriptures, the word water flood is taken from the Hebrew word ma'am and the word shabol meaning a flowing stream of water. You have no doubt seen video of flooded areas where the flood waters are gushing in, taking everything in its path. David quite frankly felt that he was being overflowed with everything the devil could hurl his way. But church, let me tell you something this morning. If you've come here feeling God has turned His face from you, if you've come here feeling overwhelmed by your troubles, if you've been crying out to God, come speedily, O God, I'm about to crash. I'm going down for the very last time. I want you to know I've come here this morning to tell you He has not hid His face from you. His face is turned toward you today. Listen what the Scriptures say in Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy that He cannot hear. There are times when God may temporarily turn His face from you. But in verse 2 there it says, Tell us, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear you. Have you been so deep in sin that God has His face turned towards you, but you've made other things a distraction and you're in distress because you've turned your face away from your Savior? Because remember, where your face is turned is where your focus goes. Our iniquities separate us from that fellowship. Our sin separates us from the fellowship with our Savior. Ask yourself this question. Where's my face turned toward? I know God will never leave me. I know He'll never forsake me. I know He's the risen Savior. He's worthy as the Lamb. He's the Lamb of God that was slain for me. But I'm here to tell you, And I want you to rest in this promise. He will be there when we turn our face toward Him. Psalms 91 verse 15 says, He shall call upon me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. Isaiah 65 24 says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. In Jeremiah 33 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which the Lord knows not. It really doesn't matter how dark it is for you this morning, for his face is turned towards you. He sees every tear, and he hears 
every prayer. He is aware of how dark the storm clouds are and he knows how hard the winds have blown. His eye is on the sparrow and his eye is on you. You are his child and he cares for you. In church, as I start to wrap this up and close, it may be darker than it has ever been before. But God's love will shine in the darkest of places. It says in Psalms 80, verse 7, Turn us again, O God, if host and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. When you call upon God with a sincere heart and with a genuine faith, He will hear you. He will help you. He will not leave you. And He will not forsake you. Maybe there have been distractions. Maybe there's been some distress in your life. Maybe you have some habit that you've been fighting with and it's because you've made this your focus. Facebook, finances, social media, Instagram, that you've lost your focus and your deep desire and love for a Savior. And now when distress has come into your life, you're crying out to Him, God. Oh God, hear my prayer. I was at Hartville Hardware this past week. We walked in and I, one of the associates that are there is a very, I want to say a good friend. We've known him for about 25 years and we've shared stories and we've been able to kind of bear one another's burdens and just talk together. And he's one of the managers of, of uh, the garden department that's there. And so when I saw him, you know, I gave him a wave because I hadn't seen him in a couple months. And Becky and I ran in there to pick something up and. He's giving me, hold on just a minute, wait, I want to tell you something. And so we waited patiently, and he was done with this, one of the customers that were there. And he proceeded to walk over to us, and as he did, you know, you have your mask on, so it's very hard to see the expression of people. That's why this this message has become so personal for me. Because... When you're discerning people's hearts, you're trying to look into the windows of their soul and you're looking into their eyes because you're trying to see the joy, the pain, the victory of what they're going through. And he came over to me and he said, hey, step over here. So we stepped over to the side and he goes, did you hear? I said, hear what? He said, did you hear I lost my wife in December? stood there in silence. I looked at Becky. She looked back at me. I had my mask on. That was one time I was thankful I had my mask on. I didn't know what to say. I was speechless. And I said, how did you lose your wife? He said, to COVID. She was healthy. And I still stood there, didn't I? And it bothered me. And I put my arm around him and I said, June, I'm sorry, man. And since that moment, my heart has been breaking for him because his wife was 50. We're not talking somebody that you said they've lived a full life. And at that moment, right, he just put his head down and he goes, yeah, I've, I actually stayed in the basement for the last few months. I didn't even, I couldn't even muster up enough energy to come up here. But... I needed to help 
my family and we have a daughter that has some health issues and I didn't know just really the depth of, of what was going on and I became speechless. The pastor that stands before people all the time and knowing, oh, I know what to say. Oh, listen, John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. I, I know the things to say. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. And it was just at that moment that as I looked at him, and I know this is really bothering me, but it took me by such surprise that I thought nobody knows what grief does to people. Nobody knows what mourning is. And some people don't grieve and they don't understand loss. And I, I started, you know, at that moment, things were going through my head. I didn't know what to say. I, I, I was just void of any thought. And so I had to do something. In that moment, as he was, I went like this and put my arm around him. I had to change my direction. And I said, God, help my face to be turned towards you so that my focus right now is on you to give this man hope. Because when you embrace somebody and they put their head down and he goes, I'm lost. I never thought I'd have to live my life without her. Life's short. Our time is short. And grief is real. Mourning is real. And that pain is real. Distress is real. But church... I got in the car and I kept touching my wife. I did, and I'm, I'm rubbing her. I'm like, I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm glad that we're together and that we've had four beautiful daughters and we have these young, great, good-looking son-in-laws in our life. I have to put, throw something funny in there. I'll just lose it here right now. But I said, and I have these precious little grand dolls that are in our life. But I said to her, Life is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. But it was right at that moment that I turned my face in the direction to where my Savior was at and where my focus was turned. God gave me wisdom and words to be able to comfort this man. And I said, do you have a pen and a paper? And I said, June, I want you to have my number. And I just wanted to stand there and weep with him. I don't even know if anybody's ever journeyed with him. I don't know what he's going through all on his own. And I know many of you in this room, there's been loss. We've suffered loss. And loss is real. But as David was facing just the distress and discouragement, depression of his life, he had a choice. And he said, oh God, please make your face turn towards me. And I'm here to encourage each and every one of you to know that God loves you and He cares for you. And He died for this world. And no matter what distractions are taking place, you're blessed to be in a great family. You're blessed to have loved ones that are around you. And for those that are hurting, only God can help them because they've got to change the direction of where their face is pointed. Many times we, we turn the direction to where it pleases us and it feeds us. Today in our class, Jay said, hurting people hurt people. And they do. We were talking about just the pain of suffering. But church, I want you to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And here's what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And if you didn't write down anything, write this down. 
I love Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and yet He ascended and is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. There was a time where there was distress and pain, yet Jesus went to Calvary for all of us. He went to the cross to give us hope. And you can find hope at the foot of the cross. Do you trust in His Word today? Do you believe in Him today? Do you know that there is hope through distress? Church, where have you been? Where has your focus been directed? Today I plead with you, turn your face towards your Savior. And don't let the distractions of this world keep you from accomplishing and finishing the faith the course that God has put in front of you so that you can win the race no matter what discouragements, distress, habits, hurts, addictions you might have. You jump over them because He went to the cross despising the shame so that you and I would have a hope in eternity and a hope in a Savior. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Would you come to Him today? And if you've been struggling His grace is sufficient. We know the song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. I've been set free. Hallelujah. Are you free this morning? Give it to God. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the old rugged cross. There is victory in Jesus. Let's rise together as we close today in prayer. And we have this altar call. If God is speaking to you, Would you come? Father God, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, at this time, we examine our hearts. We examine our minds. We examine our lives. Lord, give us a hope. Lord, I'm thankful that I have a hope in a Savior that says, you'll never leave me alone. Lord, it's because of my iniquities. It's because of my distractions and the distresses of life. I've lost focus. God, help me to stay more focused and centered. Don't let money, material things, wealth, addictions, don't allow those things to to hinder me from living a victorious life and having a deeper relationship with You. So Father, today, I turn my face towards You. I put my focus on You. Father, I bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ that each person in this room will run this great race, as Paul said, to live an honorable, victorious life. And no matter what arrows come our way, no matter what distractions come our way, oh, Father, know that we love You. We love You deeply. So in this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want to pray for you today. I feel like the Lord's leading me to do this. If there's somebody that's dealing with 
maybe some distress or discouragement, something you're going through, would you just slip your hand up so I get to pray for you this week? Amen, 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 amen. All over the, the sanctuary. Let me pray for, for deliverance. Father, we know that, that we all struggle with so much in our lives, so many distractions. God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, we'll pray for healing and deliverance. And that, God, you'll start to do a work. And that, Lord, you'll remove the chains that have kept us tied down and in bondage to the enemy. Lord, help us to be victorious. We know we're on the winning team. We know we're on the winning side. We know that you went to Calvary to give us life. So, Father, today we pray that for those that are in this room, God, we pray that for deliverance. Lord, help us to not be distracted. But, Lord, help us to be focused on you. God, I love you and I thank you that today we can find hope in a Savior. Deliver us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If God spoke to you this morning and you want to just have a moment, a time of prayer, would you come? Kneel at an altar. As we sing this song, would you just come this morning? There's healing at the foot of the cross. There's healing when you come to Jesus. God bless you.